Hi, this is Sharona Knight, and you're listening to The Vocal with Valiant MC. Got a fire in my belly that I just can't ignore And these sweet flames got me here yearning for more So rest assured your lips don't cause the desire And the fire got me knocking on your door and because we always worked with the same producers mm-hmm. and uh some years ago we did a track together and i was had been working with the collective that he was working with so and we also went to college with each other um known him for a very long time he he hollered at me in 2018 and asked me to vocal already know you and um I was like, cool, you know, because he wrote the lyrics and everything. I was like, cool. I was kind of coming off the back of doing a lot of neo soul stuff that I'd had released like independently and um, was trying to find my feet and where where I was going forward artistically. Um, So it was more like a favor, you know, Um, and then sort of fast forward a year later, he's like, yeah, we're doing a music video for this song. And I'm like, is it? (laughs) So um, we do this music video and um, they, they lost the tape of the first video. So we had to film another video shoot. And basically on the second video shoot, he, his sort of ammo was like, 
look, we've got to get this done because V won it. And I was like, well, who's V? And I didn't have a clue who V was, um, even though I'm from London. And <laughs> I didn't actually know that much about the drum and bass world or the jungle world enough to be like, I know who they were. Um, but I did know, obviously, once I got to know who they were, I, d- I knew some of their songs that they'd released in the past. Right, right. So it was like, oh, OK, you know. So he was like, yeah, we're going to put this song out on V. And then again, fast forward to that end of that year and we did a live show together and that's the first time we ever kind of performed the songs live kind of knew we were going to do this for a while when we performed it live right um it kind of went from oh it's just a flash in the pan just sort of like you know I'll do this one song and that'll be it to I can actually see myself within this lane and yeah so we've we've stayed on it from that perspective you know was that the show that uh, Sophie Mari played that show as well? Yeah, that's right. Yes, okay. she did. Okay. Set to Beat as well. Set to Beat was drumming. Right, right. Okay, um, I remember I remember seeing that a lot on Instagram. I was like, damn, that looks fucking great. Yeah, um, it was It was great. It was great. So when you guys played live, what was the what was the setup like? Set to Beat was, was drumming. I know that. What was Who were the other people on the stage with you? We had two drummers. Oh, wow. <laughs> it, was, it was actually wild, like, listening back. It is kind of crazy because we had two minutes sort of live drummers playing at the same time as the track playing in the background. Hmm. And um, and it was a set. So, you know, we had a DJ that kind of press play and press pause. So um, we still had the music that wasn't live, you know. Interesting. And um, I vocaled some of the other tracks that Il Massacre had that aren't mine. So I vocaled Here I Am that right. he had released. Uh, I think that was produced by Mr. Joseph. And I also vocaled Her Name Is, and I I didn't okay. do the original of that. Yeah, Sabrina Carr um, was, was the original in that one, right? Yeah, that's right. right. Okay. So I, I did that. And I think when I did Her Name Is, because when we did, re- you know, rehearsals, receptively, and I did Her Name Is, I kind of knew, again, there was something special about that track and I really still love that track. It's got nothing to do with me. I didn't write it. I have nothing to do with the actual song because I wasn't around at the time when it was released, but in performing it, it's there's something really great about the music and the vibe on it. That gives me such a soulful kind of aspect of, of, of drum and bass. And yeah. And it just came alive that night. And we had a wicked show. A yeah, wicked it, show. it looked fucking incredible. I was like, "See, this is <laughs> this is what I need in my life." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and also, just the audience was amazing. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, it had an amazing audience. So. Yeah, they looked like they were all about it. So yeah, so you were. I mean, obviously, living in London, you you heard jungle and you heard drum and bass, but you were you were sort of casually unfamiliar with it, or casually familiar with it. And um, so you were kind of like a late comer to the inner workings of drum and bass. You got to it yeah. late, comparatively speaking. Well, in terms of, you know, I don't want to expose my age here, but in terms of um, when it first came out, I was around, you know, I was, right. I, was a, I was a teenager when Jungle first came out. So I was there, you know, I was at all the raves, Brocky, Jumping Jack Frost, all those kind of, and people, I was young, but I was I was out, <laughs> and um, and yeah. So I'd always been in it, you know, in that kind of sense. Because if you're in the scene, literally, because you love the music, when you actually sing on a, a jungle or drum and bass track, you revert right back to that time when it first came out. And I'm talking about the types of songs that we've chosen because there are some songs that don't make you feel like that. Oh, for but sure. There's some that we've had, you know, we've been quite lucky in um, the, the tracks we've been sent and they just take you right back to that feeling. Um, and it just, it, that's why it makes so much sense, you know, in that kind of sense for me to do it. And I had actually done a track a long time ago as well um again exposing my age but I, I I'm past caring about my age now um which was with um one of the sort of top MCs in the UK um called Stevie Hyper D and that was the first time I'd ever had the song signed 
So that was a very long time ago. Wait, you worked um, with Stevie Hyper D? Um, the track he actually got signed to Island Records for and oh. um, subsequently did an album. And that was the very first time I'd ever recorded. And I was, again, I was very young. Um, and Jason Eyre, who produced for him at the time, um, he he had heard me with my brother rapping. My brother was rapping and he heard me singing. And he was like, yeah, I want you to jump on this track. So obviously I've gone into the studio and it's Stevie. And all I remember is the last time I saw Stevie was when I was at Fridge Bar watching him perform on stage <laughs> and how amazing I thought he was live, right. you know, and right. when he was live, he was incredible, you know? Um, so yeah. So that was actually my first time, but that's, again, that's kind of, that's quite, that's a hell of a first time. <laughs> it is. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's pretty amazing. I, so I, yeah. I'm, I'm willing to bet a lot of people do not know that story. No, no, there's <clears throat> not a lot of people that do. And actually Brian G found that out when he asked, the same question like how do you know Sharona and he mentioned it and he was hmm. just like what and obviously the track is old and it's you know right, it's, right, right, right. it's it's very kind of in its infancy of what you know sort of like vocal hip-hop stroke you know R&B vocals on a D&B track rather than samples um so it was really what's happening now do you know right. what I mean? Um, <clears throat> but not nowhere near as evolved right. um, as it's got to where it is now. So, um, so yeah, that's why, again, like I said, coming back to it, it made sense. It's mm. like a full circle thing because it's where I started. <laughs> and it might be where I end. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's definitely where I'm going to end for sure. <laughs> so. Definitely for the time being, I think so. <laughs> Yeah, it's funny you bring up age. Um, <laughs> I think a lot of, I think there's a lot of us that started a long time ago mm-hmm. um, and we're only kind of finding the most fruitful parts of our careers in terms of creativity, like mm-hmm. later and later in life. Yeah. I don't know. And I'm noticing that, I'm noticing that like in hip hop too, like some, mm. like some MCs are putting out the best hip hop they've ever put out. Like Black Thought's putting out the best music he's ever put out. Totally. just in like these last few years and mm. um Royce the five nine is putting out the best music he's ever put out in the last five years etc cetera, etc cetera. like these people like I feel like there used to be a time where we used to look at artists later into their careers and it's yeah. like oh they're putting out the music they put out would be like kind of mediocre and I feel like that's seriously changing now there's no I don't think there's like any limitation when it comes to age I'm 46 no, so you know, I've, I've no, look it. Well, thank you. Um, <laughs> I've been in this like a long time, but it's like, you know, I didn't actually, I mean, I've been emceeing since 98, but I didn't record anything in terms of tracks until 2018. Me and track actually did a tune called Never Too Late. And it was kind of about that kind of thing. Like it's never too late, you know, like JK Rowling, like published Harry yeah. Potter when she was like 44 or something. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, and she just had children as well, like not too long before then. So she right. was, you know, as they say, over the hill kind of thing. It's so funny because, you know, um, when I, I was in America uh, in 2004 and in the studio, I'm, I'm, it's going to sound like I'm name dropping, but it's just what I've been <laughs> through. So <laughs> um, I'm in the studio and I'm with um, a, a notable producer at the time and and before who who put Jay-Z on and I'm not going to mention his name um and you know he asked me what my age was and I told him and he was automatically like you know take it down to another age and I was like oh okay he goes you look younger anyway so you can get away with it and that was when you know I was thinking about doing R&B and and soul and stuff um there are certain genres and certain sort of like styles of music where youth is uh is really expounded on it's really like something that they really want to cultivate right that right, kind sure. of youth space and um and then you get into other spaces where it's just more niche right. and where the music is a lot less sort of like you know it's um it's not so sort of like pop driven or um it's not sort of like uh and I shouldn't say that pop driven means that you can't because David Gray was like 40 something when he came out. But my, my main thing is that 
um, there is less of that in other places in terms of genres of music, but there are specific ones where age is really, you know, um, kind of, you know, focused on. You did Neo Soul. It's almost like if you're really young doing that, you're not quite taken as seriously. You know what I mean? No, no. You, you need a certain patina on you. You know, Angie Stone, who literally was in her 40s when she first kind of blew. Or you've got That's like right. Jill right. Scott and Erica, who were there in their late 20s when they blew. Um, uh, Marsha was here. Marsha Ambrosius was in the UK for years. And she blew when she was about 27. Um, yeah. So again, you're right. I think you can't sing those songs, which, you know, seem to have more of a, you know, experienced vibe, you know, you're experienced, sure. you're older and you know, you know, better kind of vibe to it, or you're going, still going through those things, but you still know better than an 18 year old. You're not talking about crushes, so to speak. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> have you ever thought about the way we make music that is, it has roots in rave, obviously. Mm -hmm. So clearly the youth culture is part of what this industry guns for in terms mm -hmm. of its audience. However, you know, you look at like an artist, you look at an artist like Drake, and when mm -hmm. he came out, his audience is now has aged along with him. And I would venture to say that a lot of like Drake's audience is composed of people who are like roughly the same age. I don't think there's a lot of yeah. kids listening to Drake necessarily, mm -hmm. unless their parents are. Mm -hmm. And so have you thought about like, I need this to kind of skew for uh, the broadest range of age possible? Or are you comfortable with the idea that your audience might be of a particular age group mm -hmm. similar to yours? And it's like, not, you're not really going to reach a whole lot of people necessarily who are younger than you. Um, It's interesting to me because I look at you know, I, I I used to be a, a teacher at one point, a, a, a dance teacher, mm. and I've worked within performing arts environments. Mm. So I have younger students who are watching this happen. You know, um, I stopped teaching last year. Um, so there are students that are, you know, sort of four and five up to the age of 18 who are now like, where is Sharona? And they'll go on YouTube and they'll see that's where I am, you know, or they'll go on Spotify and they'll find me there. And um, so even though I know down to Spotify's algorithms, <laughs> what my, um, what the age is actually listening to the music, I do know that it's between a certain age group. Right. There's still going to be the younger lot. They're younger than me, you know, the age group that the highest age group is still younger than me. Right. Um, you know, and, the, and my age group are like just a little bit behind and then sort of like 18 to 24, they're listening too. Um, and in that sense, I think I always think to, and I always feel this music is universal. Music is for everybody. And if you are writing the right lyrics, everybody will get it. You know, everybody will kind of like understand what you're talking about. Um, there are still like loads of artists, like, you know, certain hip hop artists that I don't listen to now. I don't understand what they're saying. <laughs> I'm not trying to understand it because the music doesn't resonate with me. And I get that for kids, it resonates with them, but they should be able to still press on the song that I've got and not be like, I don't really know what she's chatting about. Do you know what I mean? Because right. it is still, you know, when I wrote Fire, it was about being in that, it was a nostalgic space, but it's still about the rave. It's still about the party. It's still about, you know, sort of like when music was good and is good, you know, and this music is good and that music then was good. So they will get it. They're gonna, there's gonna come a time when a, a five-year-old is gonna hear that and then they're gonna hear it when they're 20 and they're gonna like be like, man, them shoes when I was five, they were so good. <laughs> So it should still resonate, you know, right. no matter what age group it is. And you, you kind of look at someone like, I'm going to be really sort of like, you know, I'm going to put myself in that space. You look at someone like Michael Jackson, who literally speaks the language to all, every single age group, race, creed, doesn't matter. When you listen to Michael Jackson's song, it literally 
can resonate with everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the kind of music you really want to make, you know? Um, I never want to kind of put myself in a box um, and then just be like, oh, it's, you know, grown folk music. Yeah, cool. You know, if it is grown folk music, great. But um, the box, you know, sitting in a box is not cool, you know, and it just shortens your your artistic life, you know. So Absolutely. All right, so you've, uh, Carol Swiffer came out um, earlier this year. Uh, Fire came out earlier this year. Uh, now Ocean, so you've got like a little trifecta of singles. Mm-hmm. Already know you had uh that the video coming out that was quite an event um the video for this coming out it's quite an event scene so obviously mr joseph has uh mr joseph and and elmatica they're artists that have the visual concept of the tune uh, very firmly in their minds and it's like extremely important to them to give the the song that dimension as well the visual dimension Mm -hmm. does the visual aspect of the music is that something you think about when you're writing is it something you think about when you're recording um, or is it more one of those things where like, all right, if they're going to do a video, you kind of show up and you're like, all right, tell me what to do. <laughs> um, you know, I've, I've, I've never wanted to do videos <laughs> as in, I've never wanted to be in my own videos. Mm-hmm. And before I did this one with Ilmatica, I did two videos for a song called Lovers. And the first video was a live video where I've got a live band. And the second part of it, or the the kind of like the the live the not live version, the you know the record um, single version, uh, is a dancer dancing in it. And um, you know everyone said it was really smart, but it was mostly because I not long had a baby and I just wasn't ready to put myself out there, <laughs> you know, physically. So no, even when I was younger, it was always a cringe moment for me to do videos. Um, and so I've had a lot of singles that have been released and there's no videos for them. When when Ilmatica kind of came along and said to me, he wants to do music, music video for Already Know You, I was game um, until I put on the dress. It's awful. And, um, <laughs> and, and, you know, sort of look back on some of the shots and I was like, oh, this is, this is horrible. This is a horrible experience. And... Um, he was quite confident that it was going to come across well and, you know, and anything that I didn't like and stuff like that. So I did go along with it in that sense. But then when we did Careless Whisper, it was more of like a, a joint kind of thing. You know, we, we mm. kind of knew as a joint endeavour, we could all put something, bring something to the table. And as much as I don't particularly like doing videos myself, I do have, a degree in media performance so I am already kind of geared towards you know using different forms of media to put stuff across I don't have a problem with that um at all and I've and I've always done direction you know so in a way this is actually more about honing those old school skills that you know are kind of laid to rest a little bit and bringing them back out and definitely with ocean video I was fully involved with that one in terms mm. of what the message was, because the message for me was, you know, it's personal, you know? And when, you know, he, they said that they wanted to release it as a single and we said, okay, we'll do a music video for it. I said to Ilmatica, this is the idea I have. And we kind of stuck to that. We did, he did try and give it more narrative and give right. it more storyline. And I said, it's not that. It, it's not it's not more narrative and it's not more storyline it literally is more that sort of subliminal messages and you know it's not so obvious and people that will get it will get it and people that won't will just see a, a, a nice piece of work you know right. um but for those people that do get it you know that message is for the, those people and and they can take from that what is meant to be taken from that you know so yeah, have you thought about going into like like directing videos for people? I mean, you could be the next tarnished vision. And we need um, more women doing that kind of thing after all. I so. would. I would. It wouldn't see I I you know, my my creative juices are, are open. I wanted to do a video for Fire, um, but we chose not to because it was going out on a compilation album. 
Um, and who knows if it was ever to be released later on as a single on its own, then, then maybe I'd do a video, but I don't have the idea for that video. There is a kind of, when I wrote it, I did think image wise, how I would like it to come across if there was a video. It's interesting because I, um, when, I, when I'm making music, I don't think about a visual component. I think of it, I think purely in the, the audio realm. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, I, but at the same time, I'm, I guess I'm, I'm more content with like people coming up with their own <laughs> images in their head. <laughs> um, so you had a visual image for fire. I want to talk about fire actually. Um, mm. Bring it up on Spotify. Uh, there's the art and has your name on it, has Inja's name on it. Who produced it? Uh, his name is DJ Paleface. Okay. Uh, he's an amazing producer. It's so interesting because this is uh, his kind of entrance into the drum and bass world, so to speak. But he'd always wanted to make drum and bass or jungle. He'd always wanted to make it. Why is his name not on the tune? Uh, it's in the credits, but it's not like, uh, it's not on the tune he's a very private person and mm, okay. um, there's a, okay. there's a part of him that he's been known and he has had success in other worlds, in other genres of music to then come out in the drum and bass world and not be, you know, and not be embraced because of, you know, past stuff or stuff that he'd done before. And people would be like, Oh, what's he doing now? Why is he doing that? You know what people are like. Um, they put you in the, they put you in your box, you know? Right, and right, so sure. um, he didn't want to pigeonhole himself. Um, and as we was talking about it, him not wanting to do that, it's not that he doesn't want the credit because he does. He loves that part of it. Like it's like being an introvert, extrovert. It's like going, I don't want to be seen, but I do. Yeah, he completely wants to be more known for production, obviously, okay. but rather than sort of Jermaine Dupree in it up or, you know, P. Diddy in it up and jumping <laughs> in the video and doing a DJ Kali. You know, he, he's much more, you know, look, let the music live, let it be liked, let it be appreciated for, for what it is and let it stay there. But he also had this kind of side to him that was like, vocalists aren't given the shine that they should be given because it's always overshadowed by who the producer is. Yeah. And um, if you've got a big producer name in the drum and bass world, people are going to listen to it, but they might not necessarily just listen to it for the vocalist, unless the vocalist is someone that they've seen in a lot of the time come up. So you can do something with, I don't know, I'll pick a random name, uh, Shy FX, for instance. You could do something with him. More than likely, it's going to be a known name with him, but yeah. it could be a known name and people will still press play and playlist it before they've even heard it. And if that's no name that he's got on the track, puts out their own track on their own, they may they may not get the, the same amount of plays as they would with Shy FX. So he said, look, rather than put his name on it and it, let it sort of like be three different names on the track, let it just be two names, the two performers, like what it is like in other worlds, um, like in the R&B world, like in the hip hop world, unless they are, sort of like, you know, DJ <clears throat> Premier or, you know, sort of those kind of people. But again, you might not have that on the track name, you know, or the track title. So yeah, it's more that kind of idea. Um, and he runs with that. He's more interested in that now than having his name at the front. But I'm sure he will one day. <laughs> <laughs> Is it? Well, it's interesting, you know, the, the, that idea of who gets credited in, in songs. I remember when DRS dropped his first album and it was like, you know, DRS featuring the producer. Yeah. Um, and people have played with various iterations of that. And then Fox dropped his album this year where it's just his name and the featured vocalist. And then underneath in smaller lettering, it's, it's written, produced by like Echo Brown or whoever. Yeah. Made the tune. Mm -hmm. um, it is interesting how that, that vocalist continues to take, a backseat, even though I feel like the vocalist and vocally driven drum and bass is the drum and bass that people I think pay the most attention to. Yeah. Like en masse. I don't want to say like everybody, every specific person, but like en masse, I think people, you know, vocal tunes are, are 
the hook. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it is interesting that there's not more of that. I think whenever I kind of like listen to a track, you know, especially in the drum and bass world, if I hear a song on a playlist, on a podcast, I tend to look for the vocalist. Mm-hmm. I don't really look at the name of the producer strongly, but I'm starting to do that more now because, you know, I might get approached by a producer Right. And not 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 know who the foggiest who they are, and then like <laughs> well, you like, didn't oh. know who V was, so <laughs> no. And then and then go, I know it's it's awful. And then go on the sort of like podcasts, you know, and be listening to the tunes, and then a tune that I already liked from before, and I already clocked the vocalist. All of a sudden, I'm clocking the producer because I just so happen to be working with them. It's like, oh my god, that producer made that tune. And that's literally happening right now. It's quite, a, you know, quite a few producers that are hitting me up. It's like, oh god, I actually really like one of your releases. Um, so I'm paying more attention to the to the the producers, but more from the perspective of being a vocalist who's looking for producers because I don't actually produce. Right. Um. But as a as as just a, a a listener, I always look for the vocalists. Yeah, well, so you, considering your musical background and and what the music you've been putting out now, mm-hmm. uh, like the, the the I hate the term neo soul. By the way, sorry, I just no, I've always too. hated it. It's just always driven me crazy. What but, what what is it supposed to be anyway? Is there another name for it? What? I don't know. It's supposed to you know harken back to actual people playing the instruments and i don't i don't know i'm not really sure to be honest with you you know so i I mean so much r&b is is producer based now yeah and has been for a long time i remember like you know like for instance mary j blige when she dropped what's the 411 i remember that was like it was different because Mm. it was a very hip-hoppy very you know soul album and janet jackson was very very producer driven like it wasn't like a band it wasn't like rufus you know what i mean So if we're talking neo soul, like that's what I think of. I think of like Chaka Khan or Rufus. I think of like that kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, as a as different to like Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis or mm. or P Diddy or whatever. You know what I mean? You know, it's it's it is interesting though because the the drum and bass musical path that you're taking though is very in line with what you were doing before, considering you've got Mr. Joseph and uh, Maverick Soul, and the two mm. of them arguably are the most neo soulish kind yeah. of vibe that we have i think in drone base um mm. is this like an area where you're comfortable exploring more of or do you actually want to try and see if you can bust out of that box altogether and i mean are we going to see you want to jump up tune or <laughs> <laughs> um well i've i've just done a tune with um beat merchants has got a jump up feel to it um and it's completely different it's completely away from that sort of you know the vibes and you know the you know the click 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 <laughs> you know it's the way from that right. um and that was purposely done you know um I was at one of the V events and both Brian and and Jobs from Beat Merchants was like so when you're going to do a jump up tune man uh it's it's like you know when you're gonna do a dirty baseline tune and I was just like I'm waiting I mean I am a dirty baseline girl that's the kind of you know that's the kind of jungle I got into that's the kind of drum and bass I got into when I was younger and when I go out I like heavy basses you know um I like that stuff for performing but if I talk about the raving aspects of it I love that music you know that dirty bass stuff so of course I want to do it um, I've done a tune with them and I've also done a tune with Paul T and Obron, uh, which is a different kind of um, lane as well. And even for them, the track that I've done with them is different as well for them in right. terms of what they do. Hmm. Um, it's got a bit more of a kind of hip hop element to it. So again, it'll be interesting. I'm going to perform that next month. Um, oh, yeah? yeah, I'm going to perform. We're going to test road tests and tracks when we do um, the event in Bristol. Oh, okay, um, okay. You know, Dr. Mika's um, headlining that one. But, um, we're gonna ch- we're gonna test out a couple of tracks, both me and Ilmatica, that are more jump up. And that's gonna give it a different feel, especially because we will have Scepter B and we've got a bass player called Stee, um, uh, Silence My Ego, he's an amazing bass player. Um, 
and we're going to test it out for the first time. So you will you will hear some different kind of, you know, tracks from me, you know, because like I said, don't want to stay in the box. If you're looking back at the music and the videos that you've done with Omatica, juxtaposed with like looking at the mm-hmm. current selection of video of vocalists up for the Drum Bass Arena Awards, mm-hmm. um, you are one of the few Black vocalists who's got a fair amount of spotlight on it right now. It seems like there's been a very blase attitude about the fact that a lot of blackness has been driven out of drum and bass, mm-hmm. audience-wise, producer-wise, and now vocalist-wise. And you know, vocalists and and I know people are gonna, I know people are gonna give me flack about this. Why are you always gonna make it about race? Blah blah blah. In the nineties, <laughs> in the nineties, we had Diane Charlemagne and and we had Annalie mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. you know we had like this selection of vocalists that were that were obviously decidedly like unapologetically black about their approach now. And this isn't, by the way, nothing, not to take away from any of the women that are, are singing right now. And these tunes are coming out, but you know, the, the rise of the vocalist in, in drum and bass has been the rise of white women in drum and bass. <laughs> so like, <laughs> you know, putting you on the spot here now is, you know, it, it, but like, you know, you're one of the, 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 the few black vocalists that has a real spotlight right now. Um, I kind of came in it with a completely different attitude. So obviously coming into the industry, I didn't actually know that there wasn't that many, you know, coming mm-hmm. back into this sort of like drum and bass world, I didn't know there wasn't that many. Um, coming back into the Raven atmosphere, I did notice that there wasn't that many in the raves as well. Um, I noticed that straight away. Mm-hmm. Um, although I'd been to, earlier on in the year, I'd been to a jungle fever and it was clear across the board that it was a mixture mm-hmm. of races that was at that event. And then you get something, you know, like, you know, sort of more drum and bass oriented, not jungle, not old school jungle oriented, but the new drum and bass. And you just don't see that many black people in the audience. And if you do, they're mostly male. So I noticed it straight away. Um, so the vocalist thing for me is interesting because I think what miss it, what's missing is the soulful aspect, which a lot of black vocalists tend to bring, you know, the more sort of, uh, you know, unabashed um, soulful vocal um, that comes out. It's not kind of held down and restrained or anything like that. And it's not, it's not simple. Um, And so I don't hear that a lot at the moment. And um, when I've listened to, you know, obviously I've gone, onto the certain platforms that are out there, the more popular platforms, the less you know popular ones. Um, something like Drum and Bass Arena has a lot more going for it in terms of, you know, variety, so to speak. But it's still, there's a certain sound and it, it hasn't quite hit that same pinnacle that it had back in the day. So for me, I didn't think about it, and I don't think about it enough for me to actually speak on it um, overall. But if there's anything I am going to do, it's going to be me on a track. And if that comes across to the audience as something that is a little bit more, you know, um, notable or they see it as, a, you know, a, a more soulful vocal than other tracks or whatever, then so be it. Um but I know Il Matica will turn around and be like, you know, we need more black vocalists, you know, Um, and, and, and not because, you know, not because it's, it's because that there isn't any, you know, there's, there's a lovely vocalist that's out at the moment. I think her name is, um, is it Shady Novell or something like that? And, and she's got a wicked voice, but, but more from the perspective of, uh, a voice that stands out, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think that's what it is. A voice that stands out. Does it matter if that voice is white or black or Asian or whatever? No. But as long as the voice that stands out is 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 a throwback to that era, then we're all good. Um, it's like I think about my childhood and what I listened to when I was growing up. And notably, my mum listened to Luther Vandross, 
and she listened to Teddy Pendergrass, but she listened to James Ingram. And through listening to James Ingram, I noticed this vocalist, Michael McDonald, and then going into my mum's sort of like album collection and she had Doobie Brothers album. And then you go a bit deeper and you've got Daryl Hall and John Oates. And then you've got, you know, all these, you know, my mum, one of my mum's favourite songs is the guy from, you know, Chicago, you know, Chicago's um, song, If You Leave Me Now. So to me, it's not about whether there's white or black vocalist it's the sound that's important and I think if that's missing and it gets whitewashed in that way then you've got a problem and why and so I I I would always be like I want that more than anything but if I end up being sort of like you know the poster girl or um you know I become more known because I'm one of the few I don't have a problem with that you know um I just don't want it to become something that is all that I'm about, because obviously there's more to it than whether, you know, I'm a black woman. You know? It would just be ironic because you'd be tokenized in, yeah. you'd be a black woman who's tokenized in black music. <laughs> That's, yeah. It's, it's very, just weird. It's a very weird thing. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's very a strange. weird space. And I never want to be that. <laughs> I never right, right. want to. Yeah. And, but I can feel it. I can feel that. I don't like it. And I do like it. <laughs> it's a bit of a, double-edged sword because it brings attention which is not a problem because I want my music to be out there right but not for the wrong reasons you know um so I'll I'll ride the wave but I will not abuse a a position just because you know that's not that's the funny thing is I feel like some people's attitude about race and drum and bass since 2021 and 2020 there are so mm-hmm. many people whose automatic response is, well, it should really be about the music. It should be really be about like the merit, like DJ should be booked because they're good, and blah, blah, blah. A lot I of think that are, there's an are, unconscious bias. Oh, for sure. Oh, no, I think, I think quite a bit of it is conscious, but, and, but, yeah. <laughs> but no, no, I, I know what you mean. I think there is an unconscious. Well, that, well, you know, that same thing, like I'm saying, like, you know, I don't see color. Of course you do. Right. So it's the same thing of, <laughs> you know, well, there's, we you know, every, there's enough for everybody and everyone gets a piece of the pie. It's not true. And right. so um, the ones that are, are old school and no one wants to mess with them anyway. And no one, you know, they're probably like, don't mess with my money. So those old school DJs are still going to play, you know, mm-hmm. and old school MCs will still play. Um, and anyone new school coming in is going to find it hard if they're from the black community, if they, unless they're kind of put on that same kind of tokenism um, pedestal. Um, in terms of what's happening, um, the gentrification, so to speak, of it, I'm new to it because I'm coming into it now and I'm looking at it and I'm going, oh, is that what happened? Oh, is that what? Oh, so that's what happened. But then I also remember when drum and bass or jungle stopped being fashionable i mm. remember when they stopped it at the parties they stopped it at the raves because there was too much trouble in the raves and when they stopped it at the raves then the black people stopped going to the raves <laughs> you know they stopped going to those types of parties and they went to house and garage raves and now they're still on house and garage because it never got to that point with house and garage um jungle itself was like became this kind of dirty word like there was like people who actually don't call it jungle yeah like call it drum and bass mm-hmm. and it was i feel like there was like that was a way to distance the music from its black roots mm-hmm. i feel i remember when that was happening people were like oh the, the, you gotta call it drum and bass and i was like well why and i remember ray <laughs> ray keith said this one time he's like yeah it's on, on his radio show it's, it's all jungle to me it's all jungle right and like no matter what no matter what kind of drum and bass it is it's like all it's all rooted in jungle but a lot of people treated it like it was like such a bad word to call it jungle. Yeah. It was very strange. It's it's happened here when, you know, people didn't have, well, they had names for other genres of music and they kind of put this umbrella over all these genres and called it urban. <laughs> um, it's yeah. like, why do we have to change the name? What what? <laughs> I'm not going to go to an urban rave. I'm going to go to an R&B night or I'm going to go to a hip hop night or I'm going to go to a grime night or I'm going to go to a house and garage night. You know what I mean? So I'm going to go to a jungle night. And um, 
And so I did I see when I like I said, when I first came back into this, I was still calling it jungle. I wasn't calling it DMV. And then I saw sort of like names and wordings and I was like, oh, it's okay. And then I kind of like conformed somewhat. But then I've been saying it recently and I say it to Ilmatica and it's like, no, you're doing drum and bass. Like, no, I'm doing jungle, mate. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> doing jungle, right? <laughs> so um, I think you have to look at the ones that were willing to give it away in the first place. <laughs> you know, mm, it's about take. cultivating the culture. And unless mm. you cultivate and you you safeguard and you treat it like a precious stone any it's anyone's game you know and anyone can kind of come in and call it what they want and and then you know make money off it from calling it what they want um so I always and I believe this across the board these things do not happen on their own they have to happen with the people who are at the root of it in the first place and um take ownership and you know and 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 be apologetic for letting it go somewhere and then not being able to grab it back <laughs> when it's too late that's a good t- that's an interesting take i haven't heard anybody talk about that like oh fuck we let that go too far and now we can't yeah. grab it back i think there was a lot of that criticism level leveled at, at hospital last year mm-hmm. for that mm-hmm. exactly that kind of thing you know what i mean like it's there was like a perception that it had become this like a whiter, more drum and bassy space and had gotten away from its like jungle roots and stuff like that. I'd say it to, to um, Armani and track all the time in our group chat. Like, you know, when you're white, you have blinders on. So you don't really see <laughs> stuff that's happening a lot of times until it's too late. Yeah. And I think, you know, when you talk about the unconscious bias, I think that's where a lot of that comes from. Yeah. Um. So final question before I let you go. So when are we going to see uh, a, a longer release, like an EP or possibly drum bass album from you as like the central artist? That's the plan. Um, I want to do that next year. Um, and starting with some of the tracks that I'm, you know, going to be making now. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's always been something I wanted to do um, anyway, before drum and bass during the drum bass is having a body of work that I can call my own. And um, I want to see how these tracks go and how the live shows go first and really kind of get who I am as as an entertainer. Because if I am going to do an an EP, I'm going to have to promote that EP. And I want to make sure I know what I'm trying to perform. I know what I'm trying to get out there. And it is, it's not like I said before. It's it isn't just a a sound thing for me. It's a visual as well, um, you know. And that visual also includes a live performance, more than anything. Right. Your audience members understanding what they're buying into, um, and I don't want to fool anybody or give anybody some kind of false sense of security that I'm only going to make this type of music. You know, um, I also do. I've got a couple of house tunes as well. Um, one that came out at the beginning of this year. So again, that EP kind of has to, you know, not just attack one particular uh, sound. It's interesting because, you know, it used to be people put out an album. I remember Jay Magic's album like had like four like hip hop tunes on there. And like you know, producers used to put out albums with lots of lots of non-drone bass material on there. Mm-hmm. Now, though, if you try to put out a drone bass album, very few labels will touch it unless yeah. most of it is drone bass. I think, you know, maybe there might be a few labels that'll deal with it. Like maybe the North Quarter comes to mind. They put out a lot of stuff that's not drone bass. Yes. Yeah. Um, but in general, though, a lot of labels won't touch that. Is, yeah. Is, 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 do you feel like your output has to tick all those boxes or... Are you comfortable segmenting your musical identity into different outlets? Um, again, you know, I'm going to come back to this sort of like Michael Jackson thing. Um, you know, when Michael Jackson put out the Off the Wall album, he was going out to um, that place, something 54 rooms. Studio 54, yeah. Studio 54. And so he put out a disco album, even though it was at the end of, the disco era 
and um, he did it with Quincy Jones, who wasn't particularly a, a disco producer. You know, he was much more of a, you know, musical theatre stroke jazz. You know, he was a, a lot more of a broader type of producer. Right. Um, and then he brought out Thriller. And Thriller, the single, is different to Baby Be Mine or Want to Be Starting Something or Lady in My Life, whatever. It's, these songs, his songs just touch different times and, you know, within that kind of period and um, different genres within that period. And, um, and so Bad came out again, it's something different. I think if you literally are the type of artist that can only do one style of music, then that's what you should do. <laughs> um, if you are a multifaceted personality and you listen to everything like I do, I listen to everything. And um, and I would, and I mean, at the same time, I'm never going to like go and put out a song that sounds or is it resembles a Alanis Morissette song, but I definitely might have some lyrics that will be, you know, kind of influenced by her because I think she's amazing. But I think you have to stay broad and open if that's what you are. Um, mm. Like I said, at the beginning of this year, I had a track out signed to an American label. It was a, a house tune um, that came out, a soulful house tune. Um, and they put it again on the compilation at the end of this year. And the DJ, that um, the producer that I'm working with, Paleface, has just gone and done another remix, which is more sort of 80s kind of, you know, funk, soul kind of vibe, mm -hmm. um, but with a house tilt on it. So when that comes out again, people are going to be like, whoa, <laughs> you know, I'm going over there again. But yeah. I think if it's good people will listen. That's what I really think. If it's good music, people will listen. Pigeonhole yourself. People will only half listen. If you give it, like, you know, your own little kind of stamp on it, it doesn't matter. You know, we're in an age where albums don't matter. Um, I think Beyonce mentioned this. Albums don't matter as much as singles do. So if someone hears my EP... They might only like one of those songs and playlist that one song. Mm. Um, and then someone else who listens to everything is going to playlist it all, you know? Um, I'm not trying to stay in one lane. And it doesn't make any sense to me. I'll still do what I'm doing with Mr. Joseph and Ilmatica because that's where they are. But they both know me. And especially Ilmatica, he knows me. He knows I'm not going to stay still for too long. Um and it's going to be a different kind of thing, you know? I just, I'm, hoping I, I'm just hoping to see, like, an album from you where we have, like, multiple genres on there because I feel totally. like there needs to be a return to multi-genre albums. I yeah, Albums don't matter as much, but I feel like they should. And they, they still should. Can, they still can. Yeah. Like If you give it everything rather than just one... Right. If you look at the... Remember the Shy Faxes album, Rock and Muffin mm. Sound Tape, was... Mm very much like that there was a whole bunch of different flavors on there and the whole thing flowed mm -hmm. together where people could listen to it top to bottom and it was one of the few albums that's come out in the past five years that has ties to drum bass where people listen to the whole thing top to bottom like mm -hmm. universally that i talked to it's like the album that people are like yeah that's the whole thing i think shy effects is such a interesting entity isn't he because yeah, he's an alien <laughs> he is he's been there since the beginning you know the roots yeah. of it um more when the sort of a uh, harder edge stuff came in um and more original production mm -hmm. came in um that was when I definitely became a fan of the music um I think I've danced to like all of his tunes <laughs> as, yeah. a, as, a, as a teenager I think we did routines to all of his tunes um to evolve into the type of producer he is in right now is just, it's just amazing. Cause I listened to the one he did with um, Tyler Daly as well. It's mm -hmm. different to the one he did with Lily Allen or the remix, you know, or, um, or the new, the newer versions of his tracks now. It's just all different. Right. And he just sounds like he's having fun. And that's where I think it really lies. You know, it's not this kind of painful 
you know, sort of like, look, I need it to be like this. I need it to be like that. It's like, you need to have fun with your music. And then that needs to resonate with your audience. And in the midst of that, you have a perfectionist bent. I still want it to sound like this. I still want it to have this vibe. So I think with someone like Shy FX, who is one of the few, the reason why he's one of the few is because he's actually really frigging talented, (laughs) you know? Um, And people hear that. They hear that when they listen to his music, they hear his talent. Um, I would hope that that is something that people hear if I was to bring out an EP as well, you know? So, yeah, why not? I think an EP is is, going to happen regardless. Um, You know, I don't think Paleface is going to let me get away with not doing an EP. Um, He'll probably be the one that will produce it as well, knowing him. Um, So... But I'm still going to bring in other producers as as I would because I think I was going to say after hearing Fire, I definitely would not be opposed to an all pal face uh, no. <laughs> EP or album. That would be that would be pretty fire for sure. Yeah, you know it's funny. Sure. The it, there's uh, I would never have known that obviously if I didn't ask you about that song. Mm. But you, do you remember when? Do you remember the drum and bass remix of Jill Scott's Golden? No, I didn't. Even uh, know. There was a there, okay, so the Golden single. Mm. has a couple of remixes on it and okay. to this day i still don't know who did the drum bass remix of it, <laughs> it i have no idea name. i have no idea i gotta i gotta do some deep digging to find some, out. yeah did some but, maybe um disco disco was it discogs um website might have it I'm why sure. didn't i think of that yeah why didn't I, <laughs> why didn't i think of that <laughs> yeah the the, children, the I'm, I, I'm really nosy that you know i i literally search out producers and who did the backing vocals from that girl um i sit on wikipedia all day reading the track personnel <laughs> for albums so when people was asking me about who produced it who produced it, i was like he wants to remain anonymous and then the track came out and it's like well who produced it then i said just there in the credits like oh, well, Kyle comes i can't see it. it's like it's there if you go to the song credits it actually says um it says his name but it says his real name you know so if you don't know his real right. name then it'll probably go over your head yeah, it says like it, it says the the you know the jazz and the drum and bass drums. I can't find anything by it's this by person. Them. Yeah, that them one or one. him or her or I don't know who it is. I I've looked on Discogs to, to see who that person. And the, the closest I can find is like someone who does like Latin jazz. That was what Pelfis was going to do. He was going to choose a name, a random anonymous name, and it, there would be no trace back to it being <laughs> Pelfis. So maybe that's what it is. Maybe whoever that yeah, maybe. person is actually literally acting like, you know, an, an, an anonymous person and doesn't want to be known right, for right. who they really, really are. You know, maybe they make house. <laughs> maybe it's Paleface. <laughs> but um, yeah, yeah. Um, Paleface, Paleface is cool. So Paleface, I'll just give a little bit of information about him, actually, because um, people might be thinking, well, who is he? Um, he was one of the uh, original producers for a tune that Drake took. Mm, okay. Um, he had a song with his lovely wife, Kyla, and uh, it's called Do You Mind, which is a funky house tune and originally a baseline tune, which mm. is sort of happy house, kind of more, more kind of funky than happy house. Um, and then he did, uh, the funky house version with his cousin crazy cousins and they released that and that did quite well and was signed to ministry of sound uh it got signed to a publishing company years later drake must have heard it and did a version with the sample from that track which was do you mind and he called it one dance so um literally one dance is actually taken from a sample of a uk um, funky house tune <laughs> by, hmm. by Pelfes. Yeah. So <laughs> he's, that's why he doesn't really, you know, I'm talking, he's probably going to be like, Shavala! but, <laughs> 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 but I'll put my guy on. He's an amazing producer. He's classically trained. He plays, you know, a lot of the instruments as well. And he also does it digitally. He's badass on the roads and, um, yeah, and really, he doesn't get enough kudos for what he's done, you know. Um, and he will tell you straight that 
one dance is uh, it's not his best. So, you know, he doesn't necessarily see it as what he wants to be known as. But then you get something like Fire and he wants to definitely, he wants people to definitely know. He posted it all over his socials. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So before yeah. I, before I let you go, is there anything you want to, you want to plug anything you want to say to people? Um, look out for the Beat Merchants tune. I think it's going to be fun. Um, when, when, the- when about is that coming out? We don't know yet. He's only just oh, okay, done. Okay. He's only just finished it. Um, oh, okay, gotcha. And that's called Killer. Um, that's going to come out in VM assuming? Maybe, maybe not. Who knows? You've got got a, got a shot it at Brian first. He's not even heard it. Oh, okay, um, okay. but it's going to come out regardless. Um, and the the show in Bristol, um, come down and see it. There'll be more tracks and. Definitely want to hear hear the Paul T and Oberon, um, Edward Oberon one as well. Yeah, we got to get you, you and Ilmatica and Joseph over here to, this, to North America. Yes, we've actually got quite a good following out there. It's like I didn't know it know it before, but actually, there's quite a few people that love the music out there. So I think it's time. Oh yeah, for sure. Long overdue. Uh, you know, thank you for your time. I really appreciate it, and uh, we'll definitely have you check back in. Uh, with the show in the near future so thank you it's amazing thank you so much for asking me to be on the show absolutely my pleasure and ocean is out now <laughs> yes it is and the video is out as well i believe today is the, the day that it came out correct yeah today yes. came, it came out and it was lovely it's just so lovely i love that video and for the people really? who are wondering it is ocean o-s-h-u-n yeah it was initially called um la 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 <laughs> Um, <laughs> literally, I okay. said it to Ilmatica as la la la, and um, you know, and um, then he was just like, It's called Ocean, and I was like, Oh, if we're gonna call it Ocean, then we should probably call it Ocean. And now we have it as it is, it's it's literally just grown as the song's gone along, it's been brilliant. So, yeah, O S H U N, Ocean, the river so- goddess. So people look out for that on YouTube and, of course, all of your favorite music outlets. So this has been Shrona Night, and let's continue the music.
ocean, yeah. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the ride. Cause we relax and we gon' be here all night. And ooh, love, ooh, la la la. Ooh. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the ride. It's another day and we're gonna be here all night. Fingers in the palm Destiny created and there's no qualms Questions on the path that we only know So close, no room for my shadow Say a word, no doubt, you're my black gold Fits like a glove, and you said so Ocean. 